1: Welcome to Talking Transfers, a brand new show from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent Graham Bailey and 90 Min's top cat Toby Cudworth. Graham, how are you this week?
2: I'm doing fine, yeah. It's a fascinating week, isn't it, with the playoffs, etc. And the Champions League coming up and all sorts in Europe. I'm really looking forward to Rangers this week. I think that will be a phenomenal game, which um, I think will win
1: we will be uh, in barcelona to watch that game won't we toby how are you doing
3: we will morning um i'm not looking forward to watching it as much because obviously west ham are no longer in it um saved me a headache that i didn't have to trek across from barcelona to seville but yeah a good week of
1: football coming nonetheless that was uh, that was the joke when west ham were in the uh... Well, when it was West, well, even when going back to the Barcelona versus Frankfurt tie as well, we were kind of hoping for a Barcelona-West Ham semi-final and for West Ham to beat them there. And then the joke was that Toby would leave Barcelona to go to Seville to watch West Ham win the Europa League or lose the Europa League in tribute to Mark Noble, who has now played his last home game for the club and did a nice little speech yesterday. Um, Did you well up, Toby? I'm sure you did.
3: Uh I didn't well up, but I was obviously quite sad thinking about I've basically my entire life supporting them. Mark Noble's been associated with the club for a lot of that. Um interesting to see actually the response that he's had from his fellow professionals and fellow managers just shows what people think of him within the game. So I know other fans mock West Ham for their loyalty to Mark Noble and they say that he hasn't been able to run for about seven or eight years, but he's clearly got something about him. Um and he'll be missed, but he will stay at the club in some capacity, so at least
1: we'll have that going forward. Can, can we, uh just a question for the group, can we expect Declan
2: Rice to assume the armband next season? <laughs> um, poss- possibly, yeah. He's a he's natural successor, isn't he? You would, you would think, but this uh, this West Ham, as we'll be discussing in the coming weeks, it's going to be a fascinating summer for West Ham. Uh, it, yeah. it really is. Um We're going to see a lot of I think we see a lot of ins and outs, but it's, as, as said, Toby said a few weeks ago, it's, it'll tell us whether West Ham recognise themselves as a top 6-7 team or whether they're still thinking mid-table.
3: I think we've got him for another year. So, yes, captain's armband strapped tightly around that left arm. Transfers going on everywhere else in Declan Rice's 100000000 million-plus valuation, putting everybody off, so... And we we'll love European football, won't we, Scott? It just depends. Uh, it just depends. League.
1: Now, can you go to Brighton and
3: win? They're a good team. We can. 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 We, we haven't beaten them in the Premier League. They are our bogey team. So that's...
1: Oh, that I'm bodes well.
3: Yeah. So there is that. But Manchester United are appalling. So there is every chance that you're going to lose and we could sneak in.
1: Very true. Very true. We'll talk about United at the top of the show. Eric Ten Hag, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, the situation there. How does this impact the market? How does it affect United's transfer strategy moving forward? Uh, we'll talk about Robert Lewandowski today as well, who has uh, basically hinted he wants to leave Bayern Munich, will not sign a new contract. Barcelona in the mix, possibly some other clubs as well. We'll talk Rafinha, we'll talk James Tarkovsky, we'll talk Steven Gerrard in for Luis Suarez, who can who has been confirmed will be leaving Atletico Madrid. Eddie Nketiah as well, uh, back at the back end of last week. Toby put a story out on his future too. This is a brand new show. We'll dig into the latest on the futures of big, the biggest names in world football, be it players or managers. And that's your lot for this week. No more Declan Rice chat, although he does seem to get, uh, you know, inserted into conversation every which way because of Toby. Uh, obsessed with him, aren't you? Uh, anyway, let's, let's start the show, Graham, with uh, Eric Ten Hag, who has terminate his contract at Ajax six weeks early to get to work at United and there are suggestions from both Ten Hag and Ronaldo himself that there could be a future together.
2: Yeah, I think we we approached this subject, didn't we, a few weeks ago as well, Scott, that Ronaldo and Ten Hag wasn't necessarily... Um, Sorry, at first we thought it wasn't a match made in heaven But the noises we're hearing from both sides Is they're both willing to at least talk about it And see what's coming You know, Ten Hag from this point of view Is seeing one of the top scorers in the Premier League he's got a year left on his contract So in theory, when you're looking at it Why would you want to lose him? You know, Ronaldo clearly doesn't have that many seasons left in him He knows that even the Superman that he is He realises he hasn't got too many seasons left in Europe anyway so, yeah, I think it'd be fascinating to hear them them two talk. Ronaldo will also depend on what he has out there in terms of options. We know PSG would like him. It probably depends on Zidane going in there or not, which we haven't got any confirmation on just yet. So, no, it'd be a fascinating conversation. You know, if Ten Hag feels that he wants Ronaldo, it's always nice to be wanted, isn't it? And I think it'll, it'll tell us a lot about Ronaldo's, not thinking towards United, but towards Ten Hag and... And, and he may wait to, wait to be on the training ground with him, but no, it'll be a fascinating conversation to have, and clearly from what we're gauging, Ten Hag wants to keep him, you know. I don't think he would be engaged in these talks, he wouldn't be talking about him. If he wasn't, that came from him to lead the line, and yeah, and, and can Ronaldo still lead the line? He's proven he can, so why not keep him?
1: Not to everyone, though, Graham. There are some critics of Cristiano. Uh, I'm just going to read out some comments before I bring you in, Toby, from Ten Hag. Uh, he's done a lot of talking to Dutch media uh, over the last few hours and days. I had choices to work at a different club with a better foundation, but I chose United. Things have to get addressed there, and that's a challenge. The club and I are on the same wavelength about how I want to do this, which is quite interesting to hear. And he's also called Cristiano Ronaldo a giant as well. He's a giant, and he's still very ambitious. Of course, I want to keep him at United. He was important for them again this year. His statistics are great. And it's better this way that he would like to work with me than the other way around, he said. Uh, so how would, how do you sum it up, Toby, from, you know, as, as I mentioned there to Graham, who's mentioned that Ronaldo's led the line really well or got the goals. I think it's on about 24. He's had some critics, though, that United can't play the way that they wanted to. That's what led to Oli getting sacked. Ralf Rannick isn't able to impact his system because Ronaldo doesn't run and this kind of stuff. How do you reflect on Ronaldo's season?
3: Well, firstly, I don't think Ronaldo being in the team is what got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sacked. He's just not a very good manager. He's not Manchester United level. Um, There is some truth to the fact that Ronaldo probably doesn't suit the style of play that United would want to play, but I think the problems are far-reaching, aren't they? Cristiano Ronaldo is not the problem. Um, it's everybody else around him or a lot of the players around him. And as you've touched on there, he scored 18 Premier League goals for Manchester United. Only Salah and Son have more this season. 24 in all competitions. He scored some big goals in the Champions League for United. He's still got plenty to offer. Um, And yes, he's 37. And yes, he doesn't have the pace and the um, endurance that he had, obviously when he was in his peak. But He still has a lot to offer and he also has the mental side of things. Let's not forget when Portugal won the Euros, how influential Ronaldo was from the sidelines. He galvanises players and he can bring players along with him. There's a bit of a power struggle, it seems, in the United dressing room, but can you really look past a player who's won as much as Cristiano Ronaldo has done in his career compared to the other players in that United changing room who have won very little? So... Ten Hag meeting with him is a logical step. For him to be a priority meeting is also logical. And I think he just needs to find out where Ronaldo's head is at if he wants to stay and take United back into the Champions League. I very much doubt they will be anywhere near the title race next season, but top three would be a huge achievement. You could get another two seasons out of Ronaldo, I think. Um, It's whether or not he is a priority for PSG not sure if he is to be honest but I know we've reported that there is interest there in doing a deal um, despite Messi, Neymar and COVID. you
1: imagine a Messi, Neymar, Ronaldo front three, you want to talk about not running and not, not working hard for the team goodness me uh yeah Ronaldo's uh had some comments on Ten Hag as well and also has been pictured in United's kit for next season as well I don't know if you guys have seen that but all three there's a yellow number for the third kit there's a, a white kit which is quite nice and there's the home kit which I'm not a fan of uh but he's spoken about Ten Hag we need to give him time uh he did a fantastic job at Ajax uh things need to change the way that he wants I wish him the best we're happy and excited, not only as players but the supporters as well. I wish in the best, and let's believe that next year we're going to win trophies. As you say, Toby, they're miles off the top two, but it depends on Chelsea summer goes. Top. Tottenham, if they get in the top four, will probably kick on a bit. Arsenal, the same. Uh, but I know that they're uh, they're a way back from the likes of Arsenal and Spurs and Chelsea in the table. But you know that that gap's really opened up to the two North London clubs in the last couple of weeks when United' season's been effectively over. Yeah. So there's um not, there's not as much of a
3: gulfing quality between those squads as yeah. the table makes out. United have got a lot of areas they need to improve in, but let's not kid ourselves that take Harry Kane and Son out of Spurs, they've got a number of problems as well. Take I don't even know who you take out of Arsenal. Martin Odegaard, is he their most important player right now? Bakayo Saka. And they don't really have a striker, which we'll we'll touch on later in the podcast, but yeah, United aren't as badly positioned as they think they might be compared to some other teams in the league.
1: Yeah, Arsenal at their brilliant best that they have been in years uh, a few weeks ago and United at their lowest ever ebb in the Premier League. You know, this are still their worst points tally for a number of years. And they're still, I know they're not in touch, but, you know, it's not as people look to the points gap between certain teams and think, how can you turn that around? Well, you know, that'll happen next season, but I think there's a definitely... A way up for United under Ten Hag, Graham. Uh, coming back to you, if they are to keep Ronaldo, how does that impact their strategy in the transfer market? Because obviously, Darwin Nunes has been uh, is a subject of interest. Anthony from Ajax has been a subject of interest. There are other players as well. Uh, we've can Ronaldo. I don't think he can. Can he play every game? Will this, if him
2: staying, will it affect which position they buy for? Yeah, I think it will. I think they do want a forward, as it were, to come in. And that will impact on that, I believe, because where does he see Marcus Rashford as well? You know, we've got Sancho on one side. I think we could see Rashford play a more central role. We know that Steve McLaren, who we said before, was likely to come in. It does look that way now we know Tin Hag said this morning he's going to make his own mark on that and he's put his foot down when it comes to Steve McLaren. Steve McLaren's a huge fan of Rashford. He'll be singing his praises. And it's interesting, if you look back at McLaren's quotes about Rashford, he's, he has been quite critical, but at the same time, he he's critical because he knows Rashford isn't hitting the heights he should be. And that's a, I think United fans, read if you read go back and any United fan read McLaren's quotes on Rashford, and it's hugely encouraging to see what McLaren knows he's in there, but he feels he can get out of him. So I think you might see a, a Rashford Ronaldo, maybe with a young striker behind. And then you look at the right hand side. We've seen the links to Anthony before. We know United were looking at him even long before they were being linked to Ten Hag. The United were looking at Anthony. He's an outstanding talent. I so say I keep an eye on someone like Cody Gakpo at PSV, who he knows well. But yeah, I think you'll probably see someone the right-hand sided. Winger, a wide man more than a central striker but again I think a lot of these United things they'll have priorities Scott they'll have this forward central midfielder maybe a centre half but then he probably will want a right back he would want a striker but it'll depend on who he can get out as well you know I think if you can get the right amount of players out then you might see two central midfielders you see a right back you see a central striker as well so I think a lot will be determined as to what business United can do in terms of moving players on
1: and switching topics to talk about something that could be determined. Uh, Kylian Mbappe, this is not. This was not in the show's running order, but we have, uh, since there's been some development, since we started recording about Kylian Mbappe's future, marker uh, suggesting that Mbappe has already decided his future. Uh, he said in an interview in the last few hours, we're recording this on Monday morning, said in an interview that he will announce his future. He's close to a decision, but Graham... You know, it's been Real Madrid from our end for a long, long time, hasn't it? It was just a case of how it would come about, but it seems to be that this will be on a free transfer at the end of his PSG contract. And Real Madrid is the destination that he's always wanted.
2: Yeah, it's what we've been told for for a long time has gotten Florentino Perez. I know a few people close to him. They've been very confident. This has been two, three years in the plan as we've spoken about on the pod before. And this has been a masterclass from Florentino Perez in in how to get these big deals done. You know he hasn't come out mouthing off like we see often enough. Mbappe has been hugely professional, and as we said before, I'd be so encouraged if I was Real Madrid. The, the professionalism of this guy, the way he handles himself, he's just got everything, hasn't he? You know, the looks, the talent, the way he handles it. He's got literally got everything to offer, and you know it's a shame that. Maybe United are thinking if we did, if we he went appointed Oli when we did the right manager we might be in position to get him now. Unfortunately not, um. But I think you would just be thankful that Liverpool aren't trying to get him. But yeah, he's he's yeah. got Madrid. <laughs> he he's got Madrid. We we that's what we expect. We've had contacts with Real this morning. They're saying they're content and confident with how things are looking. And yeah, um. And we always said and we said the end of the season. He picked up the League and played the year again. I think it's the third or thirtieth time, it seems. Um, yeah, he he's going to Real Madrid, and him, Vinicius, and Benzema next season will be um pretty hard to stop. Yeah, it will.
1: Uh, as we've said just now, like it is the noise from Real Madrid, they've been very calm about this happening for a long time. PSG have put different uh offers on the table for him in order to get Mbappe to stay. There were suggestions at some points, even prematurely, that he'd agreed to re-sign, but that was never the case. It seems like Mbappe has decided on Real Madrid a long time ago, and now at 23, I think he is, Toby. This is time for Kylian Mbappe to go up a level, if it's possible.
3: Yeah, look, he's ready, isn't he? He's done everything apart from win the Champions League at PSG, but... That Liga title race just can't be any fun for him. I know Lille won the title last year, but this season has been really, really simple for PSG, despite Mauricio Pochettino being under pressure for almost the entirety of the season. Um, And it just makes sense for Mbappe to go to Real Madrid now when they are on an upwards curve under Carlo Ancelotti. They've wrapped up La Liga. They're obviously in the Champions League final They're building something there. And Graham's touched on the way that Real Madrid have conducted themselves. It's um, remarkably different to how Barcelona are conducting themselves in the transfer market. And the fact that President Laporta and that director Alemany, they just talk every day, it seems, um, about any player. Their own, somebody else's player, doesn't really matter. And Real Madrid haven't said a word about Mbappe for as long as I can remember. And actually, the statements have been from Leonardo at PSG. Um, I think Al-Khalifi has even spoken at times saying that they're confident Mbappe will stay. But Real Madrid have just been quiet, doing their business, convincing him of the project and basically letting what they're doing on the field um, do the talking. And why wouldn't he want to play with this incarnation of Vinicius, who's been brilliant, and Karim Benzema, who's arguably the best striker in the world right now? It's a, a mouth-watering prospect to see him there.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, it, it's always been the natural move, I think, for, for Kylian Mbappe, especially with Real Madrid now. I know that this star hasn't been the, the greatest that it's ever been in the last few years, but the, this season they've especially started to look a little bit like their old selves. Even if the style isn't really there, they do have that kind of superpower of being able to win matches, don't they?
3: Let, let's not forget as well, last Season their defense got ripped to shreds, didn't it? They lost Ramos, and everybody was thinking Real Madrid are finished. They don't have any central defenders. They're also getting Antonio Rudiger, who Graham's a huge fan of. Um, Doesn't shut up about him. I, I admit he's a very good defender, and in the cup final, he showed his explosive pace to kind of track back and get Sadio Mane late on in the game. But he'll be a game changer as well for Real Madrid. They're going to be stronger than they were this season.
2: And I think and maybe we'll, being able to move Alaba even to left back. I know you didn't want to play but can you imagine that? That defense, or, you know, Rudiger and Alaba, and their free transfers in the last two years have been remarkable, haven't they? Not paying a penny for Alaba, Rudiger, and Bappe. How much is that worth on the open market? It's staggering.
1: Yes, it is. Let's uh, switch across to some Barcelona stories. Just across Spain, and our destination. We're doing a we're doing a ninety min summit meeting this week. Uh, in Barcelona, which should be, should be interesting. We will, uh, I've made the joke on the Promise Land podcast that I'm going to tap up Frankie de Jong to come to Man United, but that's uh, we'll, we'll see about that. But Barcelona interested in Robert Lewandowski, who has hinted that he's leaving Bayern Munich. He's basically said, I'm not signing a new, a new contract and it's up to the club and to me now to find an answer for this. Obviously, if no offer comes in, You know He won't be leaving, but Robert Lewandowski is one of the best strikers in the world, if not the best striker in the world. At the moment, plunders goals, Bayern are looking at different options uh, to replace him, but there isn't really anyone out there, is there, who can get the automatic choice to kind of pick up the numbers that Lewandowski does. So what's the latest on him, Grim?
2: Yeah, we did a piece over the weekend, um, me and Toby, actually. Um, Bayern are very calm about the situation. to Harvey is working overtime to get Lewandowski out. But he's got another year left, at least. And and Bayern are really calm there. You know, if he does leave, it'll be on their terms. It'll be when they say and for how much they say. You know, Barca, I I, I do wonder how much really they are involved in this. If they're getting hung up on this situation, you could see them spending all summer trying to get this deal done and it not happening. As Toby said, it's just the... The opposite of Real Madrid at the moment. They don't know what they're doing. They're linked after Rafinha. They're in talks with Raheem Sterling. You know, they're talking to so many different people. The Frankie De Jong situation, as you say, they talk about keeping, him, but then they admit they find some fair players an issue. You know, the club, they managed to get themselves out of trouble recently, but it looks as if they're skipping into that into that void yet again. It's remarkable and and paying huge money and huge wages for Lewandowski is that look at what City and Real are doing. Surely that is your template, not not signing Lewandowski, 33, 34. Um, you know, I, I don't think Bayern wanted to hand him a big new deal. They didn't. I think not getting Haaland did hurt Bayern because I think that was their general plan um, and they didn't push through with it. I think the, Bayern, we know, are looking at options. Oliver Kahn has said they've got a plan B, C and D. They're looking at different things. I believe Nunez has been on their radar. I do wonder. The one who I wonder whether they might push for is Patrick Schick. He's been remarkable um, in the last eighteen months. He's really led the line brilliantly, brilliantly for the Czech Republic since that goal at Euros, wasn't it? In really, Scotland, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's really stood out, and he had a brilliant season. You know, he was up there with Haaland and Lewandowski in Bundesliga. I wonder whether Patrick Schick is the natural replacement. And I, th- I could see him scoring a lot of goals for Bayern, so I would keep an eye on him. But yeah, Bayern are telling us they've got options and, and they're looking, so it wouldn't surprise me if there's another surprise one there. I think if, Bayern, if Barca are willing to pay, what, 35 40 million for Lewandowski, I think they might they might accept. But as we said, this will be on Bayern's terms. Pini Harvey. I know, has contacted other teams out Europe as well, including Manchester United. They did that back in March. Manchester United were offered him. We know PSG have been offered him. So there are a few options out there for Lewandowski, but Bayern are just not giving any encouragement to the other clubs to come in for him. You know, I I could see them signing Schick and Lewandowski having to sort of play half the games that he's used to with Schick coming in as well. I could see that being the outcome, and then they let him go on a free next summer. I really could see that being the outcome here.
1: He was quite emotional uh, at the weekend hinting that this is his last game you could see you see a number of players looking around like with a kind of teary eyes at oh this is the last time I'm going to ever experience this Toby do you think it's do you think Lewandowski's looking for Barcelona or could he be tempted elsewhere
3: uh, I can't really see where else he would go because they're not going to say directly it's about the money but Bayern told him, you're not having a lucrative new contract. They weren't saying he couldn't have a new contract, but he wasn't going to get paid the megabucks. And Lewandowski's reaction to that was, OK, I'm not signing an extension. There's only a few clubs in the world, really, who can afford to pay huge, huge wages. Barcelona actually aren't one of them, given their financial <laughs> difficulties, but that doesn't seem to stop them from doing it. Um but I can't see where else he would go. It doesn't make sense to me for Manchester United because of what we've previously said about Cristiano Ronaldo. I can't see Lewandowski going to a PSG. Um, just doesn't seem like the right fit. And then where does that leave him? Um I can understand why he would want a new challenge after what, eight years of being at Bayern and he's won the title every single season, but it's either Barcelona or a bust for me, but I don't see Bayern Munich um, budging unless they signed. Whoever their number one target is, be it Darwin Nunes, Patrick Schick, they would have to get that in place and be confident that he will deliver the amount of goals that Lewandowski delivers. Don't forget, he scored more goals than he's played games in his last three seasons, which is crazy. It's largely
1: unfair on the other teams, isn't it? It is,
3: yeah. Might open the Bundesliga up a bit if he leaves, to be honest. But um...
1: Dortmund doing their business to replace Haaland with Karim Adeyemi. Uh Schlotterbeck—they've signed as well. Is you know that's efficiency from Dortmund's side. Uh, RB Leipzig have been tipped to give them a challenge next season as well. But speaking on the topic of Barcelona, Graham Rafinha. Uh, I was going to say, speaking on the topic of Barcelona and also speaking of, Toby mentioned the word bust there. And I was just thinking, Leeds might be in a bit of trouble if they do go down. Uh, and Rafinha is probably one of the first names that will end up leaving if they are relegated to the championship next weekend uh, or possibly even sooner. Graham, what's the latest on uh, Rafinha's future?
2: Yeah, I was at Leeds on, on a Sunday covering the game. For 90 minutes. And um, interesting way out, I did see it was Rafinha and um, Calvin Phillips walking around the pitch. They, they looked as if they were taking a long, hard look at Ellen Broad. This could be their, they could have played their final Premier League games for the club. And I think even if Leeds managed to stay up, I'd be very surprised if Phillips and Rafinha were still there. Barcelona were leading the chase for Rafinha. We got, we'll have a story on the site as you're listening to this about Barcelona making a move for him. He has a release clause, so if they go down, it'll be very easy for him to move on. Simon Phillips and I think Ilan Meslier, I think they're the three. They're the three gems that Leeds have got. Three very good players who who will be on the move if they get relegated. Is there is
1: there a release clause in Phillips' contract?
2: No, there isn't. But he's on. He's due a he's due a huge contract raise. He's due a massive pay rise. You know, he's England's player of the year in in twenty twenty. Um, a fabulous player who will be moving for 67. And, Le- and Leeds, uh, it's a bit like the the West Ham and Rice situation. I think he's, grow- he's outgrown Leeds and they can't afford to keep him. Um, Here it is and, the the, the plug-in for the Declan Rice no yeah. so, so, so <laughs> Rice is already on Rice is on a lot more than Phillips already at Phillips really isn't on the contract he needs to be he just signed it unfortunately the wrong time when they got promoted and you know hey I think West Ham we saw West Ham were linked to Rafinha and Phillips in January West Ham could do a lot worse than, than look at Phillips as a Rice replacement could do an awful lot worse. And I think he probably is on their radar as one of those players. And and there are clubs looking at both these players. We know that. Not just West Ham, Newcastle. Um we know are in for them as well. Chelsea. They're a very interesting proposition, these two both outstanding players. Both have wonder it's a bit like the Mbappe thing. Both have wonderful mentality. They could on and off the pitch, which I think can't be underestimated. And so yeah, the um, you can be the story on the side. But yeah, it seems Barcelona are in poor position. Uh, Deca was former agent from Barcelona and they you know they haven't had any talks with Leeds just yet they're waiting for him to go down so we'll see but yeah it looks as if um, Rafinha will come in he'll probably replace Adama Traore in that Barcelona squad um, come the end of the season because Adama will be heading back to Molyneux for the summer anyway before he gets sold
1: uh, Also there are other clubs interested in Rafinha Chelsea Liverpool Man United have been linked as well um, for a player that cheap for who is that good, you know, they, it would make a lot of sense for interest to grow. Uh, Newcastle are another one of those clubs, Graham.
2: Yeah, Newcastle, um, they are being fairly methodical in the market. You know, we'll, we'll talk about one of their targets in a second. They do have that piff war chest, but they are really determined to stick to this £100 million budget for this summer. You know, if 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 they do bid for Neymar and Kane, they can afford it. It's there, uh, you know, it's, it's one of these... Um, Things where yeah, you can plead poverty, but we know you've got you've literally got a, a chest full of gold in Saudi Arabia waiting to be spent. And yes, yeah, so Newcastle, yeah, I think they're, they're looking for someone to play alongside Bruno in, in centre midfield in the long term. Uh, and to see Phillips like that. You know, Phillips would be able to move to Newcastle without moving house. He currently lives in Weatherby near Leeds, and it's not a million miles away from Newcastle, so that move could suit him down to the ground. And and as we said, they're looking at also um, someone like Tarkowski. So they're trying to do it. Newcastle. Um, How doesn't want to disturb the squad too much. He's delighted with the the atmosphere within the club, etc. So he's not going to bring six or seven players in this summer. It's going to be three, four, five at the most, including someone like Hugo Ekiteki, who we did an update on over the weekend. He's a player who Howe recognised very early on in his tenure in November time he wanted Ekiteki. And to be fair to him, he recognised him before a lot of us even heard of him. Um, Before we got, we we did get to know him very well in January. But he's another player who, who he wants to come in. But he's young. I think that's one thing How wants to bring the, uh, the average age the squad down if you can. Uh, but he's got a lot of players to get rid of as well. But yeah, Phillips and Newcastle is is one to keep an eye on. And Rafinha, you know, we say, oh Rafinha, how could he go Newcastle? Don't be surprised if Alan Sam Maximum is sent with his bags packed at Newcastle, they're growing increasingly annoyed with his antics. And as I've said all along, I don't see Sam Maxman as an Eddie Howe type player. I think he's frustrating. He's demanding a contract. And that's not the way to get on at Newcastle with Eddie Howe at the moment. Yes,
1: indeed. There are a number of players who Newcastle have been linked with and they will continue to get linked with it for throughout the summer. Just every player under the sun, you'd imagine. Uh, But is Maybe we're not expecting a Chelsea of two thousand three, two thousand four. Whenever Roman Abramovich took over, because I remember them signing player after player after player. Toby uh, seems like Eddie Howe wants to do it a different way.
3: Yeah, I'd liken it in a way to when Manchester City took over in two thousand and eight nine. That was a, it was a slow build. They signed. Five, six, seven players probably of, of Bruno's level. And then they started, I think Rabinia was the, kind of the odd one out there. Mm. And then they gradually started stepping it up over the next couple of years. But financial fair play obviously comes into it as well. That wasn't a thing back when Abramovich took over. And Chelsea were picking up good talents for very, very good prices as well. I think they took advantage of a few players going down like Damien Duff and Glenn Johnson. As two examples, Joe Cole, they took from West Ham as well. They assembled a squad in a very um, sensible way. And look, Rafinha for £25 million would be fantastic value for any club who's interested in signing him. He's one of those players, I think, at Ellen Road that it, it kind of goes silent when he gets on the ball because there's the expectation of what he's going to do. He's a very exciting player who... Jesse Marsh, for some weird reason, has stuffed at right wing back at times since he's taken over, but he's capable of being brilliant. Um, And Calvin Phillips's qualities speak for themselves, don't they? And he would fit in at Newcastle very well and would be the next sensible building block that we've mentioned on previous pods that Newcastle are building um, slowly and steadily and identifying the areas where they need to Strengthen um, and a player of his quality next to Bruno and a probable upgrade on Jonjo Shelby is logical. And Newcastle can push towards a a top six finish, I'd imagine, next season, if they get those three or four signings right. Because the quality of the league between 8th and 17th, 17th, there's not a lot in it. Um, And that's shown by the table. It's actually quite close.
2: Who's yeah. going to be the top finishing United next season between you three? That's interesting. Oh, Newcastle, West Ham or Manchester? Go on, Toby. Have your... Have uh, your uh, so, sorry,
3: Going Boss question?
2: Top finishing United in the Premier League next season.
3: Top finishing United, I still think, will be Manchester United. Mm-hmm. I think Ten Hag is going to have a positive impact. I think he's a good appointment and they will... They can't be any worse than they were. I was about to here. say they
2: can't be any worse, surely. Yeah,
1: it, old worse. analogy, but it is really they're... difficult to imagine United being worse than this this season. Yeah. Uh, you can't say
2: United anymore, Scott. You're not even the best United. I can me. say United. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going to go Manchester. Technically,
1: they are at the moment.
2: Yeah. That's yeah. What I mean, you should, whichever team, whichever United finishes high, you should get that. That should be their reward that for accuracy, next season. Yeah. yeah, you get to be called United
1: for the following season. Actual United.
3: Yeah. I've got no reason to doubt
1: West Ham as of
3: right now. So I'm still going to say Manchester, West Ham and Newcastle, but ask again in three months when the transfer windows happened and Newcastle have bought in a load of bodies and West Ham haven't, <laughs> I might change my tune.
1: Will, will James Tarkovsky, Graham, elevate Newcastle to Champions League? That is that, that's <laughs> the big burning question here. James Tarkovsky from Burnley on a free transfer.
2: Yeah, as we said, obviously, he's he's looking at his budgets, Eddie Howe. It's a player he loves, you know. He's trying to sign numerous times in his career. It's a player who West Ham looked at very very strongly. You know, David Moyes is a huge fan of his. He'd be a good sign for someone. You know, they were looking at Lloyd Kelly at Bournemouth. He loved him, um, Eddie Howe. But with them being promoted... You know, the prices of these English centre-halves is is astronomical. You know, I think Adam Webster set the standard when he went from Bristol City to Brighton and cost in excess of 30. Kelly from Bournemouth would have been in excess of 30 million for Newcastle to get now. And so if they don't go back abroad for Diego, Carlos, Tarkowski, England international, would he improve them? Yes, he would. He's better than Jamal LaSalle. He's better than Fabian Shah. To what extent remains to be seen. But you know, it'll be Tarkowski and Byrne. It'll be pretty, pretty impressive half partnership. Dan Byrne has come on leaps and bounds. really since going there. He looks phenomenal. He looks a seven-foot Bobby Moore at the moment. He really is good. Um, and I tell you, he won't be a million miles from England squad. He's play, he is playing that well. Um, which is remarkable, really. But yeah, Tarkowski looks like Newcastle are favourites for him now to beat to beat um, West Ham to on a free transfer. It, again, it does allow it does allow you to do other things elsewhere. And as we said with financial fair Player, what we understand from Newcastle's end is they've already made, been told that the Premier League are going to be keeping a very close eye on them as they go. They won't be allowed to do a lot of these sponsorship deals we've seen likes sort of City, even Arsenal do, which do we think that's Completely fair? legitimate
1: sponsorship deals
2: yes yeah but you know if 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 an owner's want to put money in you know it's all very well clamping down on Newcastle if 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 and when they do but you've already allowed this to go on it, it, it's and you know I'm not the world's biggest Newcastle fan but it's not fair on them for me personally you know if they if they can line up a multi-million pound sponsorship connected to the owners a fair play to them
1: Uh, You're not watching us today, but Graham is wearing a Middlesbrough shirt at the moment. (laughs) As he he says, he's not the biggest Newcastle fan. Uh, Anyway, let's move on to some strikers to end the show. Steven Gerrard and Luis Suarez reunion in Aston Villa, Graham. Uh, Is this a thing that we could see next season in the Premier League? It's been confirmed that Suarez will be leaving Atletico Madrid Very Steven Gerrard signing, if I'm learning anything about Steven Gerrard over the last few weeks and months. He's already brought Philip Coutinho in, first on loan and now on a permanent deal. And Luis Suarez, who's mid-30s now, at the tail end of his career, is interesting to Steven Gerrard and Aston Villa.
2: Yeah, he is. We know that Aston Villa, considering this, Suarez coming off the back of what, he's 11 11 and 20 starts for Athletic, So he can still do it at this level. Again, is he an upgrade on what Villa have got? We know he hasn't been happy with some of the striking performances of what he's got in terms of Olly Watkins and Danny Ings. I think the latter Danny Ings may be the one to make way here. But there's a lot of work to do with Villa. and Gerrard knows it. He's seen the issues the squad have got. He he wants to improve every department here, barring the goalkeeper. So centre-half, central midfield, and up top, striking department. You know, we know they've looked at Darwin Nunes and things like that. I, I wouldn't rule out Villa bringing two strikers in. I really wouldn't. So I think if, it, if Suarez can come in and impact on the squad, it's something they're looking at. I'm not sure whether even if they sign Suarez, he would be the the main striking target for Villa. That remains to be seen because they're going to spend... They're really going to go to town and spend money this summer. They've got, the, they've got the money to do it. And I think Gerrard has witnessed in the last few months some of these players are just not up to it and they're not playing for him so he won't keep them around we've learned that from his Rangers days as well I think he's a top manager and we'll see that this summer where he'll go to town on the squad if that means bringing Luis Suarez in for two years so yeah I think I think he'd be a, a, quite a sensible signing I think he can come in the Premier League and score 15 goals next season quite easily
1: uh, maybe there has been some examples in the past of signing big name players on big wages. I know Coutinho's fit into their wage structure and that kind of thing, but where it's not always gone to plan, but Toby uh, will move on last story to Eddie and Ketty's future uh, story from you and Graham, the back end of last week on what happens next with him. He's been playing as Arsenal's first choice forward in recent weeks, scored a few goals is out of contract in the summer, though, wants first-team football, but is attracting interest from a lot of different clubs.
3: Yeah, look, Eddie Nketiah has had a difficult season at Arsenal. He hasn't had much of a look-in until, as you say, the last six, eight weeks. Um, he's been very frustrated with the amount of game time he's had. Mikel Arteta has admitted in uncertain terms that he's probably been a bit unfair with Nketiah in terms of how many minutes he's had. Um, and has addressed that in, in recent times. Enketier has scored four goals in his last seven Premier League outings, including a brace against Chelsea. Um, he wants to play and he's got certain qualities about him and he's ready. He's, he's 22 now, 22 or 23, um, and doesn't want to be a bench warmer anymore. and as you say, is attracting a lot of interest. He could get regular first team football you'd have thought at West Ham, at Newcastle, at Everton, at Crystal Palace, four clubs who are all firmly interested in him. But it's not just a guarantee of first-team football that makes teams be interested. So, as we reported on, I think it was Friday night, we put the story out, Graham. Um, mm-hmm. Liverpool and Chelsea are also monitoring this situation. And this isn't because they see Eddie Nketiah as a regular starter by any means. This is a bulking up your squad for the demands of a season both for the Premier League and in Europe. And Nketiah has got good qualities about him. He's quick, he's a good presser of the ball. He is a good finisher. That's the one thing that I think a lot of people within the game say about Eddie Nketiah is he's a good finisher, but he's not really had a chance to show what he can do. And I think he's only started 17 games for Arsenal in all competitions since he's, and he's come through their academy for the last seven years. So for him to want first-team football... He probably wouldn't get it immediately at the other four clubs. He's got to prove himself. Um, but Arsenal, if they lose him, they're probably losing Alexander Lacazette as well. They won't have any strikers left, which is a big, big concern. point, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, they actually won't have anybody. So it's interesting to see how Arteta will play, or it will be interesting to see how Arteta plays it, because he may have to stump up a or the Arsenal board may have to stump up a significant amount of money to Eddie and Ketter as well, because I actually don't think that he is at the level they want from a starting first team striker. Um and he is more of a squad player. So it will come down to what's most important to him.
1: Yes, it will. Uh, Toby, how could uh, Liverpool and Chelsea be interested in Eddie Nketiah if he wants first-team football? As a... Well, yeah, <laughs> no, that
3: was a question that many people asked on Twitter. Um,
1: not realising but... how it works.
3: Yeah. I like,
2: th- th- think Divock Origi, when we talked about this, we were talking about the two teams, but then we thought, Divock Origi, Mishibatouai, who are both leaving those two clubs? Is someone a free? He's a perfect replacement for those sort of guys, isn't he? And that is Yeah. <clears throat> if that's his level, and you know, he can have a very successful career being them. You know, it's an interesting one. One player that is going back to Arsenal, uh, Flo Balogun, from his loan spell at Middlesbrough, wasn't. He, he was. He was decent to be fair. So he's going back. He will be. He's a very similar player, isn't he, Tenkatiya? So you do wonder if he was that. But yeah, the, I think the Chelsea and Liverpool things are interesting. I think is think People are considering those two types of things because, you know, do, 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 does he try his luck there, a club like that, um, and then go elsewhere later on in the career? But it's interesting to see that them two clubs they can clearly see talent there. But it's is is he ready to lead the line for anyone? Now, I think West Ham are probably considering that. Is is he even if he went into West Ham to, would he would he get in ahead of Antonio yet? No, I mean he'd he'd be an option to rotate and. Mm. God knows Mikel Antonio needs a
3: break because he's played a ridiculous amount of games like many other West Ham players, but Eddie Nketiah has only scored nine Premier League goals in his career. That's very difficult to convince a club to sign you and for you to then be their number one main striker when you haven't got the record to back it up. I know a lot of that has been substitute appearances as we've touched on. Only 17 of his 57 games have been starts,
2: but... And he's going to want Antonio to take money though as well, isn't he? Yeah. I, I
3: did see reports elsewhere saying if Arsenal were to offer him a new deal, they would have to make him one of the higher paid players at the club, which sounds absurd because he hasn't really done anything. He's just come in and done quite well during Arsenal's recent purple patch.
2: Um and you're giving him that just to protect yourselves, aren't you? Because the last thing they want is him going somewhere and scoring 20 goals, but that surely isn't good business just to do that to protect yourselves, is it? It's, it's one of them, isn't it? It's it's a, You have to let them go sometimes. Look what I think he reminds me a little bit of Danny Welbeck. Like in that situation, you have to let them go. Of to be fair, Danny Welbeck, I saw on Sunday, it was one of the best games I've ever seen him have. He was phenomenal. He was brilliant.
1: <laughs> um, Yes, indeed. This is uh, the penultimate week or the final week, even, of the Premier League season. It's actually, I don't know what you guys think about this, but quite satisfying actually when you know you have the 36 and 35 and 37 games and that kind of stuff and the remaining fixes are played before the final round and you get to where every team's played 37 and even amount of games it's quite satisfying for someone with OCD like me (laughs) uh but yeah uh you know everything is going to start to ramp up now in the next few weeks we're very close to the season being over and transfer season taking over if we haven't had it take over already Uh, This is our show for this week. We'll be back next week as well to see what's happened and to look ahead to what is set to be a transfer window of lots of big moves, lots of free transfer moves. Maybe Kylian Mbappe will be confirmed by then as well. Any final thoughts from either of you, Toby, Graham? Any final thoughts for today or shall I wrap up?
3: Uh, Well, Just the final thing to say is we're going to have a break from men's football, aren't we? Which will be nice. Once the Champions League final is out of the way, we, we don't have a Euros and the World Cups later in the year. We'll actually have two months of
1: nothing going on. So We do we- have a long international break, actually. Yeah.
2: So well, I uh, think pre-season though, is going to become remarkably quick, isn't it? You know, the the Championship kicks off into July. I think you'll get some teams who are back in training in, in a month's time.
1: Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Uh, please remember to subscribe on all your major podcast platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. And follow us on Twitter too at underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey, and at Toby underscore Cudworth is where you can find us. Thank you very much for listening to Talking Transfers. We'll be back next week for some more.